code of conduct. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. God made me punch in accurate numbers yeah. My castle won't crumble nah. What I tackle will fumble yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it But now my feet it's up. up According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs yeah. Big says sky is the limit I look down on the ledge I push the bar like I'm opening a cell Hands in my cookie jar You won't come out with a single nail you I need all of mine The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked I make all my moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler, I feel like Mansa Musa Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle I'm a king, the closest things to being one of God's angels yeah. I'm a king Heavy is the head that wears the crown I put in extra work that just can't be found I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night This is the Code of Conduct of the King Podcast I am your host Jason, this is King And I have a very, 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 very special guest joining me today So I'm not going to to take too much time and talk about too much But I'll do, um, because I Took last week off, had some some stuff going on and I had to take care of and handle, so I wasn't able to do the show. Um, but I, I do want to quick quickly talk about the draft. I think it was a phenomenal job by Brandon Bean. Phenomenal job by Brandon Bean. I've been critical of him over the last couple of seasons. I feel like the Bills have kind of missed when it comes to the draft. I feel like, you know, if you go back and you look at that 21 class, um, you know, we went through it. I had Sterling on one time and then we also did the chop up and we talked about it all and just kind of ran through the whole thing. And I I just, I've been very critical of him. I think this time around, Brandon Bean somehow was able to draft two first round draft picks guys that I feel like should have been first round draft picks. Um, I think he got the best guard in in the draft, if not the best, the second best in the second round. Um, I, I just I like the job that he did this year. Um, I'm not I can't say that I think every single pick is a home run hitter. I don't think I don't think we addressed the hole that was left by Tremaine Edmonds leaving. I don't know if the Buffalo Bills want to. Uh, all these interviews that's come out, Brandon Bean talking about this and talking that, talking about what they're looking for in the linebacker and what they're looking for as far as philosophy. I don't know if they wanted to replace him. I think, you know, at this point, fans like me who love Tremaine and who, um, you know, yeah, I'm going to miss Tremaine. But as far as the Bills are concerned, I don't think the Buffalo Bills look at it that way at all anymore. I think that they have a plan. I think Sean McDermott is going to coach a heck of a defense next year. And I think it's going to be very aggressive and fast. And I think that's something that um, all of us have been looking forward to seeing is fast, fast Buffalo Bills defense and and then like i said offensively you give josh another weapon with the best pass catcher in the draft maybe not the i don't want to say best pass catcher because you had some stud receivers go early but um at that point where we were you know uh i don't think you could have taken a wide receiver that was better so then you now you look at it what do you want to do 
Okay, obviously me, I still say figure this thing out. You picked up some extra picks for next year's draft. You did some things. Let's figure out a way to package some things and go get DeAndre Hopkins. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I love the I love the the after draft signings. I love the undrafted free agents that we picked up. Well, you know, I don't want to say love like I think everybody's going to make the team, but I love the competition. I love I love the guys that they're putting together to take into camp for competition i love it i just still want one more thing that d hop trade or something something on that level to me will put the buffalo bills right over the top not over the top as far as winning the super bowl but i think it just shows hey we're all in this year and we have to really give josh the weapons he needs give him the protection that he needs on defense give him the speed that we need to to keep up with Tariq hill and um jalen waddle and all these other guys i love it i love it Absolutely love it. So, look, I'm going to get right into it. I got my guy Josiah with me. Um, I'm a huge fan of Josiah. Uh, the, the content that I do and the way that I interact on Twitter and the way that I um, tried to build the brand that I've, I've tried to put together, uh, Josiah was one of the first guys to do it on that level. So he was kind of the blueprint for that. So um, very excited to have him. He's he's turned into somewhat of a friend as well. He's very supportive. He's, he's given me tons of good advice over the last year and a half and um just a really good dude can't wait to talk to him so before we get there i got a quick word from my man buffalo freddy and then let's get right to it okay here's the deal i know as bills fans we wait all year for the fall and the winter so we can go to the bills games i get it trust me i do but let me tell you why this time of the year is elite it's party time and we're going to party for so many reasons, whether it's a graduation party, a birthday party, family reunion, or just because it's Saturday and the weather's perfect. Here's the thing. My guy, Buffalo Freddy, has everything you need to make your party the best party of the year. We have everything from chairs and tables to premium tents, water slides, wet and dry bounce houses, and so much more. And that's not all. The best barbecue catering in Western New York has you covered, whether it's a small party or a corporate gathering. Buffalo Freddy Barbecue Catering makes everything easy for you. Rentals and bookings available now at www.buffalofreddy.com or you can call 716-4-FREDDY. That's 716-437-3339. Remember, for all your party rental needs, just call 4-FREDDY. All right, ladies and gentlemen, y'all already know I'm amped this time. I'm amped this week because I got another king in the house. And, you know, when there's kings involved, it's royalty happening. My man, King Josiah, he's the he's the mean king. He's the NBA goat. All this LeBron called him the goat. So y'all know it is what it is. What's going on, man? Kings and things. What's going on, brother? Kings and things. I'm after I'm after pin that we're gonna have to ink that somewhere. All right, let's get it. <laughs> but uh, but listen, so I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me, man. Um. Obviously, for those who don't know, um, which it shouldn't be many at this point, but for those who don't know, um, you kind of, I feel like you kind of started off the same way most of us do, kind of just, you know, having some fun, doing content, doing things that you love, and then things just blew up. But you have a little bit different of a, a background when it comes to, um, like, obviously, the, the sport that you cover. But how did you kind of take off so i don't want to say quickly because i know what kind of work you put in but how did you take off so quickly you know to become king josiah like this i mean it wasn't quick by any stretch of the imagination yeah. but i mean to your point i think you know social media has given a lot of us an opportunity to create brands create lanes for ourselves so 
started out doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, a lot of, a lot of production and, and producing shows, creating shows and writing and, and doing a lot of that type of stuff. And then, you know, for me, I saw the value that, that social media possessed. So started getting into to the meme game. And really for me, I, I grew up with sports background, played college basketball. Like I said, worked in, in sports entertainment for a long time. So when this space first started, you know, for me, it was no different kind of just being in a locker room with the boys, like, you know, talking shit, having a good time, getting the jokes off, having fun, but really been able to create a lane for myself, grow my brand, grow my following. And as a result, that be able to leverage that to create opportunities for myself. So when I was doing stuff back in the day, I was working with NFL Network, Fox, Fox Sports, places like that, uh, producing shows, you know, working with a ton of tremendously talented people in front of the camera. Never really had a, you know, a dream of kind of doing that in the back of my mind. Maybe it was a thought but didn't really see a, a lane or opportunity to be able to do that. Back in those days, you know, you had to go to Syracuse or Northwestern and have a broadcast journalism degree and work local news and do all this stuff. It was kind of steps you had to take to be able to be on air where the game has completely shifted. And I'm super thankful for it because I think social media has created the ability for a lot of people, including myself now, to be able to leverage their brands, create opportunities for themselves. Like even a show like this, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. we're able now to connect, jump on a pod, just through the power of social media, the power connectivity networking and things like that. So, uh, you know, the, the main thing for me was just always building my brand and, you know, doing a lot of stuff in the meme space, content space, but also growing it in other ways too, and always doing it organically and authentically to who I am and making sure the voice and, and the tone and everything I put out there, I always like to joke with people that, you know, a lot of people, especially nowadays on social media, create fake accounts. They got burners. They, mm -hmm. they, you know, they like to hide behind, hide behind, you know, the camera, if you will, or hide behind the Abbey where everything you get in with my account is me. You know, people always question me all the time. Do you got a team of people? Do you got all these people working for you? Like, nah, it's just me, man. And as I've gotten older, it's gotten a little bit harder to keep coming to the block every day with putting content out. But I wanted to make sure that I stayed authentic to myself with everything that I do. So to be able to grow those brands and do the things I'm doing now, uh, you know, hosting a few shows with Gilbert Arenas, including mm -hmm. Gil's Arena, which is uh, presented by Underdog Fantasy, No Chill, which we do with Fubo Sports, also do a show with this company called Wave Sports Entertainment called Out of Pocket. And then, you know, work with companies like TNT, work with companies like Showtime Sports, Showtime Basketball. Uh, it, it, it's just it's just a really, really cool thing. And it's taken basically all the skills that I've, I've acquired throughout my, my journey on the work side. And now I'm able to leverage all those things to, uh, you know, do a lot of cool, unique stuff that I'm super, super proud of and excited about. But also, I've never gotten complacent. So I just kind of keep grinding, keep working. Never believed the hype. Like you mentioned, like LeBron, you know, called me the GOAT. But, you know, a lot of people maybe at that point would have would have started to, to, to slouch or rest easy or, or start patting themselves on the back. I try not to do that. I try just to work as hard as possible to create more opportunities for myself. Oh, yeah. That's when you really turn up. Like when when, you know, and I know it's LeBron, but I mean, once people start to really recognize what you're doing on a different level and, and everybody said that's when you really say, OK, I'm a. I'm going to really turn the jets on let's, and let's take this thing to another level. But I was going to mention, cause you just mentioned all of the things that you're into now. Like you got your hands on so many different things, man. It, it's still incredible to me when I watch. So it could be one of the games last week, or maybe it was early this week, the Lakers game. And it's like immediately, um, you know, like your, your reaction times to things are on point. Like you're always, you know, you're just always on point when it comes to timeliness. And, and then the memes just make sense like every single yeah. time. And it's like your, your, your bag is so deep. But it, I think the thing for me and I actually had one of my friends ask me earlier, like, yo, ask him, like, how does he how is he so accurate with it so quickly too? like your bag is so deep. But the part that's impressive for me is that, like I said, you got your hands in so many places, but you're still able to stay true to like you mentioned, you're staying authentic to the thing that 
you know, that you jumped on it. And um, I just yeah. think it's incredible. But how do you how do you keep up with all of that, though, man? Like, I know your your bookmark folder got to be it's just got to be insane. Well, it's wild, man. I, I don't even really use bookmarks like that. I probably should, and especially with like the the this AI wave and all the chat GPT and all the stuff that's going on now. I like to just do it all myself, man. I think that's that's the one thing. And, and you mentioned that the content and the tweets and the memes and things like that. It's it's for a certain demographic. It's for people who are in my age range. It's not for everybody. So I get a lot of hate and criticism from the younger generation. It's like, look, fellas, I don't, I don't make content for y'all. I, I don't really right. care if you like it. Frankly, like, you know, and I think, you know, when, when I was young, I can remember being the same way about, you know, people that were doing stuff that were maybe a little bit older than me and, and getting angry and, oh, this sucks and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but it, it's not for me. So at the end of the day, I make the content for the demographic I make content for. And I just always stay ready. And if you do this long enough, I've been, you know, in, involved with social media, shoot, going on like, what, 10, 12, 15 years. So I, I'm just around so much stuff. I got a deep library of just, you know, as a kid, I consume so much content. So many TV shows, movies, films, and even to this day, that, that stuff goes on. So I can see a lot of stuff now and know right away how I would use it, what situation I would use it in, when, when it would work best. But really, the, the account and, and everything I do is just a reflection of me, the stuff that I'm watching. I love basketball. Obviously, NBA Twitter is my main lane. And I'm watching games all the time. So when I'm watching games all the time, like everybody else, and everybody jokes, like, man, you in the future, how do you know all this stuff? Like, no, nah, man, I'm just old. I got cable. Like, you know, you're not a lot <laughs> right of people got, right there. got streams now, and they got all that other stuff. But it's like, y'all are a minute, 90 seconds behind me off jump. Like, I'm literally at the crib, sitting on the couch, watching everything on cable. So I'm seeing it on, like, a, you know, a seven, eight-second TV delay compared to everybody else who's seen it on a 60 to 90-second stream delay. And shout out to everybody, however you watch the games, you know, as long as you're consuming and, and enjoying it. But so for me, the fun is, you know, something happens. And I, I know nowadays there's become a culture now where so many people, I want to say copycats, but so many people are doing the same thing now. And it's created this culture where everybody wants to, you know, put the best meme out or have the best content out. So I just got a, a clock in my head that's constantly going off. And coming from a sports background, you get used to pressure, performing in, you know, high-pressure situations. When time is of the essence, you got to make a quick decision. Like playing basketball, you really don't have time to think, right? You're on the court. Mm -hmm. you got to react. So whenever something goes down, I just try to react to it as quick as possible. Also knowing that there, there's tons of people, tons of, you know, amazingly talented content creators and people like that, that I'm competing with. And it's all love. You know, it's not like a, it's a friendly competition. I'm not, I'm not, I don't got no beef with none of these people, but I know something happens. We all are trying to get our jokes off, get our content off as, as quick as possible. So the quicker you can do that. And it also, you know, especially nowadays for me, it's trying to just be as authentic as possible. And that's the problem I deal with a lot where I'll post content and I'll notice, I'll notice like, you know, bigger companies, that have all these money mm -hmm. and all these resource posting the same thing several minutes later. I like, I know what the game is and I never want to get caught in a situation like that where I'm in that copycat world. I want to be first to market. I want to try to be as original as possible. So that's the, the game that's going on now. So it's, it's tough. You know, I just, I took a nap before we did this show for, for about 45 minutes, literally just quick nap trying to get ready for this joint. And within that time span, Mike Budenholzer got fired and so much other stuff goes on. So Man. I also accept the fact that sometimes I'm going to miss things like, and it is what it is. You know, a lot of these companies, I think, constantly feel the pressure that they need to talk about every single thing that goes on, especially in this news-driven environment with all these newsbreakers and people, you know, that, that we never know when they actually sleep. But I'm comfortable with the fact if I miss something, whatever it may be. But I know tonight, for example, like Lakers play the Warriors, there's going to be jokes that are gotten off. I don't know what they are yet. I don't know what's going to happen in the game that's going to require a meme or a moment or something like that. But I'm watching in real time with everybody else and I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm enjoying and loving the game, but also knowing like, all right, something, 
funny habits or something that people are going to be talking about, some viral moment. I've got to be ready for those things and I got to get to market as quick as possible because I'm competing against a lot of people that are trying to get a share of, of that engagement, that viewership. Yeah. And, and I know you mentioned the, the copycat. I'm not going to talk about other content creators because I don't we are like you mentioned, we all hustle with this and we are competing. But yeah. I did. I do notice that, um, you know, when from the time that I, I, I think I really started to recognize who you were and, and, and pay attention to your content, you do see, like you mentioned, bigger companies that literally just just take it right from you. Um, and then if they don't take it from you, then it's like they copy your formula. And they're, you know, because if you look back a few years ago, um, there weren't many people with the type of content that you put out doing the same thing. And now it's like, you know, it, it almost seems like if you're not doing that to some extent, you're probably not reaching your audience uh, yeah. to the best of your ability. So, you know, I I don't know. I think it's OK to give credit where it's due, man. And, and you definitely entered into a or you you ushered in a new stage of of content creation and connection with an audience. And I just think I think it's dope that, you you know, you're able to still kill it the way you are. But I, I also think it's dope that you can see your impact on everybody else, even though I mean, you don't get the bread. That would be nice. But yeah, that's my point. That's the only thing I'm, I'm, I get upset about. And believe me, I love that the world is created and I got no problem with, with anybody. Man, I try to just keep keep a positive energy. Never really try to get negative, get caught up in that type of stuff. But I'm 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 on social media a, a lot of the day, so I see the things going on. I know when mm -hmm. I post something, and six seven minutes later, a bigger brand that's supposed to have all these people that literally are just that's supposed to be their job. They should be running circles around me. Like I'm an old man. I'm running circles around your whole team. I've got family responsibilities. I got to coach T-ball. I got to do all this mm -hmm. other stuff in my world now. So I, I get more frustrated. Like y'all have all this free time. I can only imagine what I'd be doing if I was in my early twenties. With, with all these resources available to me. And it's more just more perplexing. Like, y'all got all this free time. Y'all got all these resources, the skill set. You're supposed to be the, the, the cream of the crop creatives. And all y'all do, and I see this happen to my friends too a lot. Somebody will post a great piece of content, and that thing will just get ripped and mutilated and, and brutalized. And I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm better or worse than anybody else. And I didn't start this thing. You know what I mean? People were doing this yeah, stuff before yeah. me. So I don't ever want to sit here and say, oh, I'm the one who created all this shit and everybody's biting. It's like, no, nah, man, we, we're all in this game together. But I think as you start to build, especially in social, you, you develop a, a certain tone, a certain brand. So when I think see things that are getting directly taken, you know, whether that's, you know, in, in hip hop, somebody literally trying to jack somebody else's whole flow and style. These are things that you recognize and, and you yeah. know, you hope people will improve upon. And the sad thing for me, too, is I know a lot of people that work in these spots and a lot of these people follow me. So it's not like it's not like I didn't, you know, yeah. it's not like oh, we just came up with the same thing at the same time. No, like you saw my joint hit. You went back on your Slack at your company like, oh, this is a good one. Let's change a couple words around and mm -hmm. we'll post that stuff. Like, I don't know that it was them. You know what I mean? Like, that's 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 the stuff that hurts me the most. Because when I see these people, they try to act all it's all love and whatever. But, you know, like you mentioned, like y'all not giving me, I don't work for your company. You're not giving me a bag. So you eating off me, getting promoted off of, of my hard work, my creativity. It, it becomes frustrating at times. But like I said, I'm just happy to see that the, the environment is creating the fact that we can all make money doing this stuff. So I'm going to keep that going. But I think a lot of times when you talk about culture, that that's the thing that really bothers me. People that's use this word culture and every, everybody's throwing this term culture out. And you look at these companies and you, you look behind and see the type of people that they're hiring. And I think about somebody like Jasmine O. Watkins, who's a close friend of mine. And, you know, coming up in the game, we, you know, we kind of met each other through social. But I would see her stuff and, and just amazing content she's putting out. And I see her stuff just getting blatantly jacked by companies. And you come to find out later she was applying for gigs at a lot of these companies and getting rejected and it's like how are you stealing my shit and then but telling me i'm not good enough to work here like it don't it don't add up so it just 
it becomes a point when, you know, when you really see the people that are, that are representing these companies and the lack of diversity, even though everybody tries to pretend and claim that that's a, a big initiative and a big goal for you, if you really want to represent and be reflective of the culture. And I look at a lot of these social teams and it's not reflective of that. And a lot of these people are getting promotions and, and, you know, creating, creating names for themselves in these companies just by jacking the flow of a lot of talented creators out there. And this is something we've seen since the beginning yeah. of time, right? You think about Elvis Presley and you look at, you know, modern day with mm -hmm. the TikTok TikTok creators, all these amazing, uh, you know, choreographers and black dancers that are just getting their stuff blatantly stolen by by people who don't look like them. And those people are getting paid way more, more money and benefiting way more and more or less getting the credit for that stuff. That's kind of where I, I draw the line. At the end of the day, like social media, it's, it's, a, it's like the wild, wild west. It's really hard to regulate. Yeah. But if you're in this space long enough, you start to notice, you become friends with these people, you see them out and we really try to support each other. So that's the one thing I do frown on. Like people know when they're dealing with me. Like, that's what I told you before. Like, I try to get that stuff out as quick as possible because we may have the same thought. And believe me, I never take stuff. I have a five minute rule. So if I post some, somebody else posts something similar within five minutes, more times than not, we both just thought about the same mm -hmm. thing. Like, no idea is necessarily unique to myself, right? Everybody remembers this famous meme or this clip or whatever and sees an appropriate time to use it. No beef. But then when it starts to veer past that five minute window and it's 10, 15 minutes later, and the thing I put out has already gone viral, the thing somebody else has put out has already gone viral. And it's funny, man, I got so much respect for a lot of these people in the game now. A lot of times before I post, I got to check their joints just to make sure that nobody's right. putting anything, you know, close to, close to what I'm about to do just to make sure. Because, again, like Lamar Jackson signs signs his deal or Boonehoser gets fired or whatever these these different topical news pieces are. Dylan Brooks, you know, and the Grizzlies part ways and they tell me they're not bringing them back under any circumstances. At those moments, people are going to have commentary. They're going to have jokes. They're going to have memes. So a lot of the times there may be a similar thing that people were thinking about. So I don't ever take stuff like that personal, but it's another thing when hey, I posted this thing 45 minutes ago and now you posted the same thing pretty much bar for bar. You gentrified it a little bit. You know, you, you fixed the grammar, you fixed the punctuation, but I know for a fact where you got it from, that's the stuff that really becomes like, all right, that, that, that's not cool. I can't really get down with that. Yeah. And then because then you even mentioned the culture part of it. I think that's one of the things that, that gets under my skin, at least, is when like you like you mentioned, it's somebody that the certain type of content. And you know the audience is reaching and you know you know who it connects to. And the person that or the, the company that takes it don't represent that at all. They don't come from that at all. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we see what's cool. We see what's we see what's connecting. So we're gonna just take that and then try to connect to that same audience. And that, that like you said, that's the part that, that gets to me. But I, I want to ask you, man, because you mentioned the Dylan Brooks thing, man. How how wild is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like he he crashed. Yeah. for the year it seemed like he, you know it almost seemed like memphis had this whole thing where everybody was on cloud nine you know before all of the, the gun stuff and all of the social media stuff that happened it just seemed like that team was a team that everybody just was kind of in love with john morant everybody was in love with him and uh brooks he's kind of like the new up and coming you know most teams or not most but you know you got the naggers in the league like the dude that nag they, they just those defensive yeah. um it, so you got that, and now it just seems like the dude just hit rock bottom. So, especially after the whole Brian thing, just hit rock bottom, man. Yeah, and I think look, the thing, and we talked about this on Gil's Arena uh, with, with Gilbert Arenas and Brandon Jennings, is that if he would have, you know, talked all that trash and just stood on, it, and you got guys like Pat Bev, like these level of trash talkers really yeah. isn't anything new in the league. But you can't talk all that trash. And granted, you're going against LeBron. Nobody expects you to shut down LeBron, even with the janky foot, even as a 38 year old in year 20. You know, LeBron's still going to get his. Nobody expects you to shut down Kobe or Michael Jordan or whoever it may be. 
But, you know, once you get busted and you duck smoke and you start hiding and now you don't want to talk to media, you don't want to use the same people that you, you when you had all these things to say. And as crazy as it sounds, I know him and Draymond got into it earlier in the season and Draymond kind of hit it on the head. And Draymond is the type that, you know, would never bite his tongue and just, you know, was clowning them, was packing them up, you know, was saying, you know, the dynasty starts after you and all, all that type of stuff. But I think the Grizzlies and the culture and the fans, they fully embraced and they loved that stuff when they were up, right? When it, when it appeared they were on the trajectory to be a championship contender, when they're the two seed, when they're doing all this stuff, they're in the locker rooms hitting all this, you know what I'm saying? Before mm-hmm. they come out for games, Dylan Brooks rocking the perm. And I feel like he got an unnecessary amount of blame for them not winning. He's not the reason they lost the series. Right. You know what I mean? You could point to He's not the reason they got 40-piece in game six, right? You know what I mean? He may have, have had a part with that. But the rest of the players on the team as well, I think of somebody like Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm not calling anybody out, but defensive player of the year. And, I mean, I see AD cooking him, you know, every other game. AD can never put two good games together. But every other game and things like that, Ja, like you mentioned with the whole situation that he's been involved with, was extremely detrimental to the team. You know, I think he missed like eight or nine games, you know, had to be away from him. I think that changed the whole mood and momentum and the trajectory of where their season was going. So for them to single out Dylan Brooks and the, and the thing, you know, when the tweet came out and it's like, you know, under any circumstances, we're not bringing it back. I just am never a fan of that type of wording. And I don't, again, you know, you know, other people have pointed this out too. I don't know if that was coming from the tweeter, if that was coming from the team, but that type of inflammatory language at the end of the day, this dude is a, you know, a professional basketball player. He uses mm-hmm. basketball to feed his family. So when you're saying things like that, trying to make him out to be this terrible figure in the locker room and somebody used to absolutely want nothing to do with that three spent six years with your franchise and, you know, led you guys to levels that you hadn't experienced in a long time to just single him out, isolate him out. Now it's fine. That happens all the time. People don't come back. They don't resign, whatever it may be. But, you know, kind of trying to start a smear campaign in the media when this was shit that you were fully supportive of, fully rocking with when you when you were front running, when you were when, you, when things mm-hmm. were up for you, then things got down. And oh, now it's all his fault. And it's like, come on, man, that's that's BS. And, and from my standpoint, I live in a world where, you know, I'm a big LeBron fan. So you come at LeBron. Yeah. Of course, we're going to get the jokes yeah, off. Yeah. You know, it, it, but we're going to get the jokes off. It is what it is. Same way, you know, if, if it would have been the other side and he would have came in LeBron. And, and punk LeBron or did whatever, the jokes would have been flying. And that's at the end of the day, like LeBron's my favorite player, but I also have, you know, a report and, and the thing I need to keep with, with the stuff I'm doing. So I clown everybody. Like, you know, if it's LeBron in a situation where you can get clowned, I always respectfully, I never really want to just, you know, rip these dudes to shreds because I got a ton of respect for them as, as human beings, as athletes, as basketball players, and mental health, obviously, with everything going on in the world. But jokes are jokes. So I try to have jokes that dudes can share in the group chat. They can look at in the locker room. Even mm-hmm. if, if you're on the wrong side of the joke, you know, it might be a Steph joke or whatever. Steph can look at it and laugh. And sometimes I feel bad because I know you dudes will probably use it as motivation to go out there and kill. So probably need to go tone it down a little bit with, yeah. with certain guys who are built like that. But when I look at Dylan Brooks, I think, you know, the initial reaction and, and obviously across the board, this is fandom in, in a nutshell. The Grizzlies would have beat the Lakers in the first round and, and did what Dylan Brooks said the jokes would have been flying. LeBron would have been getting packed up. AD would have been getting packed up. The Lakers would have been getting packed up. And that just is what it is. But now the Lakers, you know, beat him in six, you know, embarrass him. LeBron does his thing. The rest of the team does their thing. Yeah, you got to be on the other side of that. So if you just if you just stand on business and, and you take it like an adult, hey, you know what I mean? Like I, like I yeah. talked and it didn't happen, but I'm, I'm going to get him next time. That's fine. But I talked, it didn't happen. Oh, now I'm running from the media. I'm not going to talk to these same people I had no problem talking to when I, when I was poking bears and, 
telling me he was old and he, he needed to score 40 before I respect me. Now, now they, they, they beat us by 40 and I'm just dipping, not even taking a shower, not even washing my nuts after the game. Right. Like just that's, gone. That's, you know what I mean? That's when you feel the, feel the heat. But I feel like the, the fallout of that, the Grizzlies and what they did definitely uh, was very disappointing. And, and they got to be mindful now as they start to pursue other free agents, try to get guys that come on board and play with that team. Like if I've seen how you treated one player, like what's, what's that, mm-hmm. what's to stop them from you doing that to me? Like, that's how I approach everything in life as well. Like I've already seen you do some, some ho shit. How am I, you know, how am I supposed to not think that that could happen to me at some point too? Like, why would I want to rock with you knowing how you move? So yeah, it is what yeah. it is. I, I mean, I think, you know, look, I could like, you know, I feel like there's a world where he very well may end up on the Lakers. I think he has a lot of good basketball left. Hopefully he'll learn and humble himself. Come on, man. Yeah. Come but on. <laughs> it, it's, it's not, it's not similar, but it's like, I play with Matt Barnes at UCLA and there's that famous clip of Matt with Kobe and Matt, you know, pumping the ball yeah, in Kobe's yeah. face and, and getting into it with him. So, you know, down the road when there was opportunity, Matt was afraid and, you know, Kobe brought Matt into the Lakers because he respected that. It's a little bit different in Dylan Brooks case, but I can see, look, you know, his market is very slim. you got a Lakers team, you know, trying to re-sign a lot of guys, not going to have a lot of money to make moves. I could definitely see a world where if he's available at the price point that they're looking for, you know, it's a guy you can add to your roster. Hopefully he'll, he'll humble himself, he'll get his mind right. And kind of, you know, I, I just like, I think his career is not done. Though. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, no, which I don't think his career is done by any means. It's just, like I said, for me, just looking at it, it, it was just wild to see. And, and not, not just him, like you mentioned, it was the team. Just to see the, the way the whole team just kind of, I don't know, man, they just they just crashed late in the season there. But a uh, couple more, one more, maybe one or two more questions about basketball. But then I wanted to get into the reason why I want, wanted to have you on the show. Um, but how, what is it like, man? Because, again, I know you, you – came up you you said you did some work with like NFL network and all these other networks that you kind of worked with but now like you're you're the front you're the the you're the face of a lot of this stuff and I know you're doing things with with a uh, Gil who is in my opinion one of the, the greatest point guards you know I know I, I feel like sometimes people don't give him the respect that he deserves based on whatever you know whether it's yeah. a you yeah. know it, but I think you know if you grew up in that if you grew up in that time or even if you was just if you was OG and you was able to watch him when he played, it was undeniable to me, man. Like Gil was Gil was that dude. But um, so, but what is it like for you now to be paired with somebody of his, you know, like like I said, Gil was that dude. But but to some degree, you're you're the face still um, with yeah. a lot of the stuff that you're doing. Well, I mean, the, the opportunity to work with Gil and, and Gil's a, a year older than me. Uh, we grew up in the same area, played high school basketball in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, he was a year older. So Gil's kind of this, this mythical, iconic figure, you know, where we come yeah. from. And to, and to your point, people who actually understand basketball, no hoops. He had some, you know, unfortunate situation in his life. But for those who actually know basketball, no Gil was one of them dudes. Like, you don't give yeah. Kobe 60. You don't give Steve Nash 54. You know, you don't do these things without being being having a certain level of skill and ability. Yeah. So if he's out there cooking dudes, Hibachi, Agent Zero, you don't get nicknames. You know, you don't get positive yeah. nicknames unless you do positive things on the court. You know, you might get a negative nickname, you know, <laughs> food or, or garbage, whatever. You know what I mean? If you're not doing those things. But so be able to work with Gil uh, doing the hosting stuff. And just to be real, man, when I first started doing this stuff, didn't have a ton of experience. I was always around that world. I was always behind the scenes in control rooms, working with production crews. So I had a, a ton of experience being around talent. But now going to the front and kind of the pressure that comes with that with the camera on you now, everybody watching your every move especially in the world we live now where there's so much hate and negativity, people waiting on you to slip up so they can, uh, you know, clown you or pack you up. Uh, I think it's been an amazing experience. So we've been rocking together now since I think 2021, 
Uh, we're in season two of uh, No Chill. So to be able to – that was the first show that I did with him with Fubo Sports. And then mm-hmm. now kind of being that role where I'm an interviewer where I'm really working with him, you know, picking his brain, but also learning the type of shows and contents he likes to make. And Gil's an extremely controversial figure, but he's, he's yeah. so smart and intelligent when you actually really listen to what he says. I don't know we live in a world nowadays where just people see the clips and headlines and use that to craft their whole narrative. But when you really sit down and watch him break down stuff and just his ability to talk about anything basketball related on the court, off the court, and just how much of a student of the game he is, how much time he spends breaking down, dissecting film, you know, looking at traits, looking at, you know, we were on the show today joking about flopping. And he's like, look, man, I spent so much time when I was playing just going through the rule book trying to learn all the loopholes to every every different every different rule so I can exploit and manipulate it. And, you know, that's not a thing that the average basketball player does, but the love that he has for the game. And now for me to be, you know, a part of that and just to see the world. And with this new project, Gills Arena, we're doing, we're doing that, you know, three days a week. And it's a, a live show, which is even harder. You know, we, we take yeah. no chill. They go back and edit it. So if I mess up or whatever, you know, they can edit a lot of that stuff out. Whereas the show we're doing now, we're on the air for like an hour, 45 minutes straight, no breaks. You know, whatever happens, happens. You know, we got thousands and thousands of people watching the show at any given moment. So there's definitely a certain level of pressure, but I've gotten so comfortable in it and learning it. And, I, and me too, I'm a student of the game, but I also work, you know, perfecting my craft from, from a broadcaster, from a journalist, from a host standpoint as well, doing a ton of research, ton of preparation, really busting my butt. We don't just show up and turn the cameras on and start talking. You know, there's hours and hours yeah. of prep that goes into all those type of things. So for me, not, not trying to cheat the game, not hustle the game, be super appreciative and thankful for these opportunities, but also with the understanding that, you know, at any moment these opportunities could go away. So I have to do as much as I can on my side to keep them here. So that that's prepping as much as possible, being as organized as possible, getting rest. Like, you know, you come into those shows, you got to be ready to go. As you know, doing, doing anything in the content space, you know, people think it's just, Oh, I'll turn the camera on and go. Like that stuff is hard, yeah. man. That stuff, yeah. I do an hour 45 show. I'm more exhausted than when I used to play games and back in the day, because I got to be so locked in and focused on everything that's going on. But I just try to hustle and grind, man. I've definitely had points in my life where there weren't this many opportunities, where I was struggling, where I wasn't making the, 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 the level of bread that I felt like I deserved. So I remember those moments uh, with everything that I do now and with the goal, like, look, I'm never going back to that, man. So I'm going to work as hard as I can now. I'm getting a little bit older, so I know, you know, my clock's ticking. Father time is creeping up on me as well. So it's one of the things where this thing isn't going to last forever. But while, while it's here and while I have these opportunities, just go as hard as possible, man, to, to, to get to the level that I believe that I deserve. Yeah, well, you're doing it, man. And and um, there's a couple people that I that I kind of give credit to for certain types of inspiration. But you're definitely one of the guys that I look at when I say, you know what, this is the trajectory that I feel like I can take my career in. And so there's certain moves that I've made that I can't say nothing yet, but certain things that's going to happen coming up this next season. I'll tell you when we done. But uh, when we certain things is coming up where it's like, no, this is this is kind of like the blueprint that certain people have laid. So no, I definitely, um, man, I give you that credit. And uh, like I said, and a couple others, but keep doing what you're doing, man. Like it's a, it's funny, but B man, you just, you know what I mean? Like you just really encourage and inspire a lot of people. So, yeah. so keep that going, man. So I know and we had talked before, man, I think the thing too, and obviously, you know, I'm not going to share a lot of those, those personal convos, but people see all the good, right. They see the good things that happen. Mm-hmm. They see me at a certain level, like even you to start the show, was like, you know, it, it, it's never overnight. So they don't see the years and years of grind. They don't see the times when I was getting packed up and the death threats and all the hate. and still get hate to this day. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, man, i become so desensitized to all that because I, I can't I can't worry about the hate when I got the direct deposits coming every two weeks Thanks. and I see what those direct deposits look like, right? Like, it's like, all right, y'all may hate me. Y'all might think I'm the worst thing ever. 
or whatever it may be. But then it's like, all right, well, let me see who supports me. And the people who support me are, are influencers, tastemakers, creatives, companies that write checks. So at, at some point, I know I'm doing something right. But it, it's similar to being an athlete or whatever. You get caught up in this world where you have to deal with both sides of it with a lot of negativity. And that's the one thing I always tell people about this game. Because it's like, oh, man, you, you, you're doing all this great stuff. It must be so amazing. It's like, yeah, it is. It's, it's tremendous opportunities. But there's also a negative aspect, a negative side of it. And that's the pressure I deal yeah. with as well. If I put up a meme or a piece of content that people aren't rocking with, especially on a platform like Twitter, I know instantaneously, right? I know within 45 seconds if people <laughs> like this or hate this. Like, people yeah. have no problem, like, you know, holding their tongue. They will let you know if they think it's the worst thing ever. Like, you know, you're getting death threats off of tweets. Like, it's just wild to me. I'm always like, look, man, if you're going to do it, you do it. Like, you're not going to give me a warning. I'm going to kill you. Like, go come do it. Like, if you really believe that that if, if this tweet has angered you enough that you want to take my life, please come take a shot at it. Let, let's see what's going down. But it's just a wild thing to see the way this game moves. But also, we all started our accounts at zero. And whatever, yep. you know, benefits or luxuries or things you've had in life, like, there's no, you know, people got way more than me, people who got way less that are doing way more and doing way less. So at the end of the day, you got to just rock out, grind, build that platform, start at a certain point, set goals for yourself. And I think the main thing is you set these goals and you try to break these goals. Like yeah. the goals I had a couple of years ago aren't the same goals now. I'm not still like ooh, yeah. striving for that goal to do, you know, whatever. Oh, once I reach that point that I'm doing that, it's like now I need a higher goal. And as long as yeah. you're readjusting your goals, aiming higher and higher to get where you want to be and never getting to the point where you're complacent. Like I said, yeah, LeBron called me the GOAT, one of the greatest moments of my life. I'm literally just looking at Twitter and it really showed kind of everything I was doing this for. And I didn't ask for it. And just to know that he was taking time out of his schedule and he was seeing those things. I'd always thought, like, yeah, deep down, like, I know he's seeing some of these stuff. I know he's rocking with it, but he don't ever respond or say anything. It's LeBron, right? It's this elusive account. So to mm -hmm. see him actually take time and type that shit into his phone, wherever he was doing in the world, whatever he was doing, let me know, like, just the power that social media's had. And that, that's happened to me probably, like, five or ten times with people who I truly admire and respect and I think are, are the, the height of their craft. They will reach out to me and let me know, you know, how much they like my stuff, how much they rock with it. Then it's like, damn, this, again, this is what I'm doing all this stuff for. And you just kind of build these moments. Like when I first started, that stuff wasn't happening. I was, you know, I was just another face in the crowd. But as you keep building, it's like, all right, I see what I'm really doing this for. So now what's next? What's the next goal? What's the next thing I want to do? It's like that Diddy video, you know what I'm saying? What's next? I can't, I got need something, you know, I need can't to do something else. Yeah, I can't stop, you know, <laughs> like I got to keep going. But that stuff really, that's kind of just what I apply to myself. And really, again, appreciate, appreciate these moments, being humble as always. Like, you know, and, you know, you meet me, whoever, whoever wants to rock out. If I have time on my schedule, I'm always down to pull out, help out, but never show up anywhere feeling myself or, you know, it's like, uh, that's not, mm -hmm. that's not really me. That's not my lane, man. I'm just trying to be as supportive as possible. And also to show people like, look, man, I'm not the only one who could do this shit. I'm there's not, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm special. You know, my mom thinks I'm special. My family thinks I'm special, but <laughs> you know, there's more special people out there, right? They're, I'm not the only special person to be able to do any of this stuff. So, you know, you really just got to put the work in, in the grind and more times than not, you put that work in, you put that energy in, you'll, you'll be rewarded for it. Yeah, and I can attest to that, what you said, too. Um, every time I've reached out, and this is the first time I've asked you to obviously do a show, but every time I've reached out for anything, you've, you've, always, you've always been there, man. So I pre Because not everybody stay real like that. And, and it's know. hard, but, but I do a lot of people, too, and this is the thing I tell people, because I deal with it in my own life. Like, people are busy, man, so you can never really take that personal. A lot of times, in your know, younger life, I'm a super petty individual, I might reach out to somebody, they may not respond. And I would just think, oh man, this person hating or whatever, like F them. Then as I got older, now I'm as busy as I am now. I'm like, yo, I understand now. Like yeah. people have lives, like they have things that are going on. So for, for people out there, 
I just did a panel at the Black Sports Business Symposium in Atlanta. And one of the things I really encourage those kids, like, you know, network, try to reach out to people, but also understand even somebody like myself, like, if you reach out to me, I'm not going to respond to you just right away. It may take a little bit. It may take a little time. It may take a little while. But you got to understand that the thing that you're most excited about, that's what you're excited about. I got tons of things that I'm excited mm-hmm. about as well that I'm trying yeah. to make happen for myself. Those things take time to happen. So, you know, really, you know, everybody's not just available right when you need them. But if you're consistent and you're respectful more times than not, you'll be able to make those connections, do that network. And I completely forgot. I thought I'm sitting here thinking like we already jumped on a pod before, but I know we just we just hopped on a call to chat. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, man, it's my second time coming on the show or whatever. But now we're actually here doing it, man. So it's, it's really cool to do it. Yeah. And, and but but I just I just want to make sure I said that, too, because I know some people will think, nah, Josiah, you know, he don't see me. Kind of like how you've kind of felt about Brian at one point. Like, yeah. he don't see me. He busy. He did. No, I mean, you 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 stay true to that. And and yeah, you are busy, but you you know, you you take your time to get back to people. And and I try to I try to do that, too. Like whenever, you know, as much as as much as I can, I try to hop on other pies or I try to hop on stuff. But but no, you you really do that, man. But let's I see let's everything, ask. bro. I see everything before what? we shift. I know before you we do. shift, for sure. I gotta let everybody know. I see everything. So it's funny, man. I see people talking wild shit, talking crazy about me, and we'll end up working together or we'll end up doing stuff. And it's like, bro, you don't think I remember that thing you, you tweeted at me three years ago talking about how much you hate me and this, that. Now three years later, oh man, I love the memes or whatever. Like I see all that stuff. So never like, put nah. yourself in a position where you fucking up a bag. Like there's tons of stuff I don't like, man, but I don't ever take yeah. my time or devote energy. I'll never go on social like, man, I hate this or I hate that or this person's thing was whack. If, if I think your shit's whack, I just won't mess with it. Like, I'm, But I'll never go out of my way to try to put somebody else's stuff down because I know how hard it is, whatever level of creative you're at, whatever you're doing as an artist, you know, we're all super sensitive about our stuff, but I'll never, you know, I always want to uplift and build people. And hey, it may not be for me, but I hope your stuff is still successful. So that's the thing I would, I would tell people. You're going to burn bridges, right, and mess up bags that you didn't even know you had coming. So don't do that. Like, you know, just be smart about it. Be smart about how you move in this space because I see everything, right? I know LeBron sees everything. You know what I mean? Like, when we're on social, I see all that negative stuff. I gravitate more to the negative stuff than the positive stuff, sadly. But I see it all. And it's like, in my head, I remember, like, I remember you said this shit four years ago. Mm -hmm. And you said whatever it may be. Like, I'm not going to forget that. It's going to stay with me. So keep that in mind, but my bad. Let's keep this thing moving. No, no, you're right. Cause but that make you're right. Because you know, coming up, it's the same thing. People say all of this stuff, and then once you once you hit a certain space or once you're doing something with success, then then it's like, oh, what's up, Joseph? Yo, Spence, can we? And it's like, man, wasn't you the then I remember when you said so, yeah, like Josiah said, man, we got receipts. We we remember yeah. those things. They be in our we remember them. And it's sad that we do I think it's human nature though. We kind of gravitate not not to the point where we want to just dive into it, but we see the negativity because it almost, for me, it's a motivational factor. Like I see it and it, and it kind of like burns me up. Like, you know what? All right, I'm going to show y'all. I'm going to show y'all this next one. Exactly. And always have that drive and passion, man. That stuff will never go away. I think that's, that's the main thing for me. If I ever wake up and I'm complacent, then I know I'm cooked. Like I wake yeah, up every morning, yeah. like I got to grind. I got to go hard. I got to be the best person I can be today. And, you know, people talk about getting 1% better. I don't want to put percentages on it, but as long as I'm trending in the right direction, getting yep. a little bit better each day, you're going to stumble. You have some setbacks, of course. But as long as you, you're trending in the right direction overall from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, good things will happen. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. But look, um, so the NBA and the, and the NFL, um, like I said, I know you mostly cover the NBA. Obviously, I cover the Bills and mostly the NFL, but – I'm a huge basketball fan. Basketball is actually my my first love when it comes to sports and everything. So 
I, I watched the I watched the sports and I watched the leagues on on the business level, and I noticed how different things operate. So I kind of just wanted to, to get your perspective on some things because all of these deals and all, so obviously the season's almost over now. The playoffs are almost done with the with the NBA. Well, we still got some basketball to play, but the season's almost over. So then free agency's gonna hit, and it seems like every year. NBA money is is kind of NFL money is good, but I don't know. I feel like it's just a different bag in the NBA um, in a different way. Obviously, guaranteed money and all of that. But one of the things that I noticed is that it seems like, you know, if you are a LeBron, if you're a um, Kyrie or I know the media kind of got rough on him for a minute there because of some of the things that that he tweeted out and thought and said. But I feel like if you're one of those top players in the NBA, you have you hold a lot more weight when it comes to business decisions, when it comes to what the NBA is gonna be as a as a league and gen- like you know when when LeBron and all of them boys band together and decided like no nah, Black Lives Matter and we gonna talk about it. Next thing you know, it's on the floor <laughs> in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Like they is they letting them wear like the jerseys got different things on it. The NFL they they kind of bend a little with certain things and not just I don't want to just kind of focus on like that side of things the Black Lives Matter and stuff, but I feel like the power structure is different between the two leagues. What do you think in your, from your perspective being so close to, cause obviously uh, your father played. So you also know it from that, from that point of view. So, but what do you think is the, the difference and why is that in the NBA versus the NFL? I mean, when you break down the, the NBA versus the NFL, there's so many factors that go into it. I think a point you touched on uh, j- just a second ago, Guaranteed contract. You think about Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar, you know, on paper, mm-hmm. and we'll give him his love for it. Signed the largest contract in NFL history. But as you know, with football contracts, you never look at that total money because you know more times than not, there's no chance in hell those dudes will actually hit that total yeah, 260, I believe, what he signed, right? You look at the mm-hmm. 185 guaranteed. I think Deshaun uh, Watson, which was wild, I think it was like 230, right? But it was all guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And that kind of just blew everything out of water, especially everything he had going on off the field. But when you look at those numbers, right, right off the top, that money's not guaranteed versus a Steph or whoever, somebody signed a $250, $250 million max, you know, they're getting every single one of those dollars, unless that thing goes to arbitration. They may take a little less if they get into some beef with the team, but they're going to go sign for more. Inevitably, they're either getting that amount or they're getting more bread. So that's one factor. Another factor I would say is when you look at NFL rosters, it's still 53, right, or whatever it is, plus practice squad, plus, mm-hmm. you know, 60 players. And they all wear helmets. And this, and this sounds like a kind of trivial thing, but you really don't know who's who. Like, I think I saw a survey or a poll in the last couple of years of, like, who were the most famous, actually, who had the biggest brands and reach amongst all the different major sports. And I think Brady was probably, like, the first guy to show up on the list. But I don't. I think he wasn't even top ten, if I'm not mistaken. But it was guys like LeBron, Steph, Giannis. And when you really go look at LeBron, it's something I point out to people all the time. LeBron is literally bigger than the NBA in terms of his social reach and following, right? He's got yeah. a bigger following than the league that he plays in. You know what I mean? And, 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 it's, and it's an incredible thing to see. And there's only a few guys like Ronaldo, other guys across different sports. But these guys are visible, right? You know their faces. You, you know their brands. Like when you're watching a football game, the, the average human being really can't, you know, I, if I see somebody in their jersey, I know that, that, you know, unless they're a quarterback or a receiver or a skill position, you know, more times than not, you don't really know who the O-linemen are. D linemen, unless they're the top upper elite level players in that particular position where basketball, you see these dudes so much, you know, who a guy who Alex Caruso is before he even becomes a household name, you know, who that 10th, 11th, 12th guy on the bench is because you see their face, you have some, you know, familiarity with their brand and who they are. And, you know, just, you know, players in the NFL, just to keep it real, 
they're they're disposable, right? Every single year, you're getting ready to start training camp in a couple months. I worked at the NFL Network for years. I guarantee you, every team will have a major injury, right? Major season-ending injury. It's it's like so unavoidable. It'll be some of the biggest name guys. We see that happen every single year that you can't avoid it. So the lifespan to play in the NFL is already significantly shorter than the NBA. And you're dealing with teams with 53 to 60 guys, 32 NFL teams. It's close to 2,000 players. NBA somewhere hovering in like the 450 range, right, with the 30 teams. And I want to say like 14, 15 guys that can have on each squad. So it's already less guys, you know what I mean, less guys, more money per se, I think, for the the NBA players. Like when you look at NFL, the cream of the crop again, they get those wild-ass contracts. But the average average player is not getting the bag like that. Their right. contracts are, are super janky, contingent on, on, you know, if they actually play on the field and can get cut at any point. Like when I was working at NFL, we knew that the new year, new league year, I think it was like April 1st or whatever it is, you know, guys would have these deals. Oh, he's got a $6 million, uh, you know, workout bonus or whatever, you know, but that kicks in on April 1st, March 31st, like, oh, we're cutting all you dudes. Like, you know, you're not getting none of that bread, you know, and it, sometimes they'd be surprising. Sometimes they wouldn't be. I remember way back in the day, Hainsworth, I think was one of the first defensive players yeah. to sign that like $100 million deal, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever that number was. It was it like, was wild. It was wild. Yeah, yeah. When you heard it, like this outrageous number, then when you really broke it down, it was really only for like 45, still a ton of money, whatever whatever that number was. But it was like for half of the amount that they were projecting into that. So you really start to learn that these dudes really don't have the power, A, because they're replaceable, because there's so many of them. So many of them are going to get hurt. There's so many more, you know, damaging career-ending, season-ending injuries that happen on a year-to-year basis. And B, they don't have the facial recognition and visibility of somebody like a LeBron, somebody like a Steph, somebody like a CP3. I remember the ESPYs a few years ago when it was like LeBron, CP3, and that whole crew. Like these dudes, you know, people know who these guys are. They know who LeBron James and LeBron's reach is so magnified. So it puts them in an extremely difficult situation where you look at somebody. I did a show with Colin Kaepernick, right? And, you know, you look at Cap, however you feel about him, he deserved to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, whether you ranked him at one or 32, somewhere in that mix. You know what I mean? He deserved to be, and I would say he was on the upper echelon. He was at least top 15 in the league from that position. But started doing kneeling, you know, started I- impacting the bottom line, the NFL's bag, and they got rid of him. You know what I mean? Like, it, and literally, we're, we're over it. And now imagine you're getting rid of Kyle Kaepernick, but you're putting in racism underneath the end zone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, while literally you have a dude who you can't you won't let back in the league because he you know he, he took a stance and took a knee and the impact that had across sports everybody across the different leagues was taking knees lebron was taking knees all these other people but didn't have that leverage and that ability so at the end of the day the nfl looks at these guys you know you, you talk about nfl no fun league not for long all the different acronyms that it has like guys come in here knowing they got to get what they got to get whenever as quick as they can because there's no longevity there's no there's no guarantee and from a brand standpoint, the NFL is king, right? You know, I remember a couple mm-hmm. years ago, we boycotting, we're not doing this, we're not doing that. Like, I still work, I, I mean, technically, I, I, I get pension with the NFL. I worked there for uh, like 12, 13, 14 years. So mm-hmm. I have a pension there. So I get the earnings statements every every three months. Every quarter, they, they send me the earnings statement. Like, that money's not going anywhere. That money is just increasing and increasing <laughs> and increasing. You talk about, I remember when I was there, and they've had several rounds of layoffs in the, in the aftermath. But one year when I was there, they were laying off all these people making 30, 40 grand a year. And that same year, Roger Goodell made like $45 million. So in my head, Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, you're laying off all these people, you know, but you have, and they just went through another round of layoffs. And I guarantee it wasn't to to cut budgets or because they were hurting. Like, oh, we just want to make more money. It's like capitalism and corporate greed. But the point is they know for a fact 
whoever they put out there, people are going to watch and people are going to rock with it. Basketball is a little bit different. Basketball's had some viewership issues in the past few years. They really, mm-hmm. you know, you look at even this Lakers Warriors series. I think, you know, the first game did was 7.4 million viewers, which was, uh, you know, the, the most in cable history for a conference conference game, right? Right. And it's like they know what's selling. Like, you know, LeBron's selling, Steph's selling. They also know what's not selling. We get another Bucks suns finals. Much as I love the Bucks, you know, and happy I was for the Suns to make the finals and, and you know, to be within the potential, Chris Paul to be with the potential of getting the ring, like, that's not making them no bread. So, you know what I mean? At yeah. the end of the day, <laughs> that's not a, a Eagles-Chiefs Super Bowl with the Kelsey brothers and uh, Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Like, within within that single thing, like, while none of these players are, are uniquely as big as the league, they've got, like, eight different matchups that they can talk about within that. You know, Andy Reid versus former – you know, they got the – eight different things that they can talk about within the body of that game that are all going to sell that are going to give viewership in. Imagine if it's like boxing, but it's like six boxers at once. And it's, but it's Tyson, Muhammad Ali, like, you know, all these, all these great boxers right. all going again. And this is the, this is the, the fight that you're trying to sell. Like you have no problem, you know, selling hundreds and hundreds of million dollars worth of viewership. So at the league as a whole, the NFL is King. The NFL is so much bigger that a lot of these guys are replaceable. They're disposable. They don't necessarily have the same value. You know, like, yeah, Mahomes has an amazing amount of value to the NFL, but comparative to LeBron, like Brady, maybe, but Brady goes away. I've still got Aaron Rodgers. I've still got Mahomes. I got Jalen Hurts. I got Lamar Jackson. I've got enough star power on a, you know, because I have so many options at these different positions to help sell the league. And we've got close to 2,000 players, but we don't have, you know, the strength that the NBA has now with player empowerment. Because if a guy like LeBron says, I'm not fucking feeling this, I don't want to do it you know, and he can get two or three more guys to get on board with him, it's a much smaller number. For the NFL mm-hmm. to be able to have that same magnitude, you literally need guys from at least 15, 20 teams to all lock in and be like, look, we're not feeling this. Like, you know, we're not we're not going to do nothing unless something changes. And then maybe the league might might listen. But on a, on a you know, one-for-one level, if I got a guy like Colin Kaepernick, like, yeah, Cap, great quarterback. You haven't played since 2019. Like, yeah, people will complain, still complain every single day. Mm-hmm. Making more money than ever. So, you know, there really is no player empowerment. Y'all going to do what we tell you to do. Yeah, y'all can complain. Y'all can go to the media if you want. They'll forget. Soon as soon as they hear that Thursday night football theme or that Sunday night football theme or that Monday night football theme and that ball kicks off, they're going to forget all about that shit. So y'all can try it if you want, but we're going to mm-hmm. be fine. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's wild to me when you because when you talk about it, it makes sense because um, like obviously so in Buffalo, man, we they worship <laughs> like dude the way the Bills fans are about the Bills is like we know every player, yeah. but but now I live in Phoenix. It's not like that for the Cardinals. When I lived in Indianapolis, it wasn't like that for the Colts. So like you know, there's certain teams where the fan bases are just like that. But overall, you're right. You watch the Lakers, man. Before I, I remember when Alex Caruso was playing in the I don't now I don't even remember. Is it called the G League still or like they they changed the. Yeah, the, GD, whatever, one of the yeah, letters that alphabet. All of those leagues, you know. But I remember when he played in the summer league there, and it was like, oh, he's going to be on the – okay. So you start paying attention to him, and you start – you know guys on that level. It's not like that in the NFL. You're right. But another thing, you, you mentioned the commissioner. And the one year, Goodell, he, man, he makes just it, – it's, it's incredible the amount of money these dudes make. But even still, going back to the, the power – or the balance of power within the leagues. I feel like um, the, the NBA commissioner, he, 
I don't want to I don't ever want to make it sound like he's just a glorified leader because I think he does some good things. He made a lot of good changes uh, since he took over for uh, Stern. I, th- I, I really do. I love the, the, the direction that the league is going. And I even like I know there was some complaints about it, but I even like the play in game I th- or the games. Yeah. I think that play in tournament, I think it added another element to the to the league. It added some excitement and it made things a little bit more interesting towards the end there. But. Again, I feel like, you know, when Chris Paul comes out and says, like, no, this ain't right, and this is what we're going to stand on, the league listens. You know what I mean? But then you mentioned Cap, um, and I know that's a comp- it's a tough conversation to have depending on the room you're in. But, um, you know, Cap's like, no, I'm going to take a knee. I'm gonna, and they, pff, you out of here, man. <laughs> Finish this season, you better be happy with it because after this, you out of here. And he's done, you know, he's done private workouts. He's done full league workouts where he's done this and done that. And, and it's and it's over for him. You know, I know there's a couple guys in the league that I'm tough on as far as commentary that I'm like, you mean to tell me that he's better than Cap? You know what I mean? And he's out of there. Why do you um why do you perceive from the that level of as well, like the, the commissioner level? You would think like Goodell, he just has that it almost seems like he's like, Okay, what I say goes, this is what it is, this is the law. NBA ain't like that either. Yeah, I mean, Goodell pretty untouchable, especially, again, everything is – if Goodell's losing the league money, Goodell would not be the NFL commissioner. Everything mm-hmm. for those 32 owners is what does the bread look like, how much bread am I making. All right, we're signing outrageous TV deals, distribution deals, rights deals, streaming deals, getting more and more bread in every year we're making. So it's the same principle across sports, right? I think about Donald Sterling. My dad played for the Clippers. And as terrible as the owner of Sterling was – Donald Sterling's really part of the reason now that we've seen these obscene valuations of teams. So with Donald Sterling's con- contribution to the world of sports from an owner standpoint, they probably revere this dude. You know, a lot yeah. of dudes probably want to build statues for him because he literally took the Clippers and got them sold for $2 billion. And what literally happened at that point is, well, shit, if the Clippers are worth $2 billion, how much are the Lakers worth? How much right. are the Cowboys worth? How much are the Steelers worth? You know what I mean? Like, and he set the market for that. So now we're seeing teams selling for, you know, I think the, the, the Suns were around like $4 billion. The Commanders, yeah. I forget what that number was. So these dudes went from buying these teams. You know, when we were coming up, you know, you bought a team for three $400 million. That sounded like a, a crazy sum of yeah. money. Like teams, they were buying. I remember like the Bucks ownership group bought the Bucks for like maybe four eighty or $500 million. Now the Bucks are worth, you know, three or $4 billion. The Warriors, same thing. That group bought it. You know, for five hundred to eight hundred million, I forget what the number is. Now they're worth close to eight billion dollars. Like, so it, it's a huge, huge business. And I think obviously in NFL teams across the board are more valuable than NBA teams. So at the end of the day, it's all bread, bread centric. In terms of actual power that they would, I think Adam Silver wields a lot of power in the NBA. But like I said before, the league is so much smaller in scale to the NFL. You know, it's basically like a fifth the size of total players or whatever. They got a lot. A lot less potential headaches to deal with, if you will. Like a lot less potential people to, to, to worry about or deal with, good and bad, right? That, that's, you know, you got 2,000 players in the league at any given moment, you know, how many dudes have legal situations or this or that or now the whole gambling way with all these dudes getting booted out the league for, you know, for playing DraftKings and FanDuel mm, in the crazy. facility, which is, you know, and now learning like, oh, like these, 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 these uh, companies which are partners with the league are basically dropping the dime like, yo – like we got a pain from inside the facility, you know, from from this IP or whatever. Like, oh, okay, bam, that's that's this, these three dudes, y'all get out. Like, but that's I crazy, think Goodell can pretty much do whatever he wants. He's making so much bread. Adam Silver, he's dealing with a different issue. David Stern put the league in a great place, took it to new heights. 
he's done an amazing job as a commissioner of the NBA and really keeping that trajectory going. But there's naturally things that you're just going to deal with. There's way more games, right? We play 82 games a year. On the, mm-hmm. on the the basketball side, football, you play 17. So every week is one game, right? This is the marquee moment of the week. This is the thing that we're looking forward to all week. Are people really looking forward to, you know, a, a Lakers-Thunder game? And the Thunder are a great team, you know, on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Probably not as much, right? Are they looking forward right. to, you know, these bottom feeder teams when they play each other? Where even if you're the worst team in the NFL, Texans, whoever it may be, it's still just that one game a week. So it's that hope, all right, we can win this we can maybe win mm-hmm. this one game. If not, I got to wait a week again. So by that time, I forgot about the loss last week. Hopefully, we can win it again. Where like NBA, you're playing like four games, five games in seven days. There's not naturally like from a time standpoint, I can't commit five days to y'all this week. Like I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a LeBron fan. If they play four or five games in a week, I can watch 80 to 90% of those just because I love the game. But inevitably, inevitably life's going to get in the way. I'm going to miss some stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I look at Silver and kind of what he represents – what he's done for the league. I think he's done a, a lot of great stuff. I don't think he gets necessarily near near as much credit as he deserves in helping usher in, you know, team valuations are higher than ever player contracts. I'm curious to see how this new CBA, that would be kind of the one issue and not sure. I don't know how I feel on either side of it. Cause you look at a team like the Warriors, Warriors have the si- highest salary cap in NBA history, but they deserve to keep the guys that they drafted and they deserve to be able to build that team as well. Right. So if you got a, right. Steph, Clay, Draymond, these are guys you've all built in-house and cultivated. You deserve to be able to keep those dudes on the roster and pay them their fair market value. Like You shouldn't be punished you know, by, by a salary cap for people that you develop. Now, if you want to talk about just having the ability to go grab stars from anywhere and just mm-hmm. throw money at them, that's a little different situation for me. I don't quite agree that much with it. But teams like the Clippers with Steve Ballmer and these rich owners that actually want to feel the competitive product versus the other side with the tanking, and that's something you deal with football, basketball, everything. But, you know, no no Hooper goes into a situation like, damn, man, I can't wait to lose like 60 games this year right. so we can, I can right. find somebody to replace my job. Man, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to go out there. I can't wait to go out here and suck. Like, that's never, you know, so when teams are deliberately doing that and hurting the integrity of the league, hurting the integrity of the brand, that's where I really draw the line. Like, I'll never get mad at owners who spend big bags to fill competitive teams as I will with owners who, who, who literally – try and, you know, circumvent the salary cap to put together a product that's terrible just so they can now get more players to do what? Now you guys are going to be winners now because you spent the last five years sucking <laughs> and you got enough good players to go win. Like, how does that work? Like, all right, go win now. Like, you already no. created a culture of losing, a culture of mediocrity, a culture of failure. But sadly, that's kind of what the league is because, you know, you never want to get caught in that that middle ground, right? You never want to be one of those middle-of-the-road teams that can't that have really no, you know, pathway to getting to that elite. And it's probably easier for them just to get to the bottom because shit, anybody can lose. Like, you know, so it's a it's a tough world to be in. But I'm curious to see how the league pans. Like, you know, we talk about NBA versus NFL. NFL's king. I think it'll be king for a long time. I don't know if the NBA will ever get to that level where it can surpass what the NFL is able to do. But the NBA is, is making good money too. So I don't think they should look at it as the competition. And silver compared to 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 uh Roger Goodell, I think, look, man, both. Both dudes who wield a, a tremendous amount of power in their respective leagues, uh, like some of the initiatives that Silver's done. You know, Goodell, he's going to be there. He's going to do whatever he wants. But I can't really, you know, when I compare them, it's like, yeah, Goodell, Goodell's probably the top dog. But I got a, a tremendous amount of respect for Adam Silver as well. 
Yeah, I love Adam Silver. I think um, they made the right choice after Stern. You know, obviously he was he was handpicked in a way for that role, but um, I, I love it. So look, man, I, I just I took up your time for an hour. I didn't even it's think good. this was going. Yeah, I didn't think it I've was been checking going. the clock too, but like we rolling. So every time I look back up, it's like 10, 12 minutes later than the last time. That's how you know you're doing good content and good work, right? Because if yes, I'm looking at this bitch, I'm like, yo, bro, like, all right, <laughs> we had twenty six minutes. Like, listen, no, nah, you know what I mean. Like, all good, man. But I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, I appreciate you taking the time, man. And um, hey, keep doing what you're doing. You keep inspiring us, man. And and uh, I'm a, I'm gonna be up there with you one of these days. You're gonna see me having a show like yours on Showtime or whatever. But I appreciate you, man. You wanna uh, plug anything before you get on out of here? Nah, bro, I'm, I plug stuff all the time. Like it's all good. If y'all know, y'all know where to find me. I'm not hard to find. All right, man. And y'all know how we do it over here at Buffalo Rumblings. Y'all love each other, take care of each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative. Go Bills. Let's get it. Code of conduct.